And I remember thinking on day six, uh, sitting on this rock, and I remember I said, Lord, you've taken away everything from my life now. There's just nothing left of my life. And I'm literally exiled to a rock on the north end of nowhere. That my career is gone, my marriage is gone, my kids are gone, my apartment is gone, my Jeep had been totaled two days before I went out there to Vancouver Island, my daughter moved into my apartment. I had to spend the last of my money for gear to outfit myself for this show, and I had nothing in the bank. And uh, literally, I'm sitting on a rock in the north, uh, north end of Vancouver Island with a backpack, a few items of gear, and no food. Wow. And just obviously the Lord was doing something. He was taking away everything. And in that first month, he took away the last of my, my physical strength as well. Hmm. That I was, I was so thin, you could, you know, I could circle my thighs with my, with my fingers, you know. It was just a, a harrowing experience to be brought to the end of myself. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. Today on the Kindling Fire, I have the privilege of having Dave McIntyre from Pennsylvania on the show. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, Dave has got uh, quite an amazing story. He was a longtime missionary in Brazil um, for, uh, for upwards of 15 years. And uh, through some uh, events that happened in his life that we're going to get into on the show, ended up off the mission field, and through another series of events, ended up on the uh, National Geographic Alone reality TV series, where he was the season two winner. And uh, how long did you last uh, in that show? How, how many days were you alone in that? Well, first of all, it was the History Channel. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let's get the network right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, so, I was, uh, how I long was out were you there, there for sixty-six days? Wow, wow. Well, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into that for sure. So. So Dave, um, so let's let's kind of start with um, you know what you were doing down in Brazil and, and some of, some of that that work. Well, I was a, a missionary church planner uh, in the city of Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Uh, we went back. My my ex-wife had I had grown up there as a missionary kid, and we were there serving with the same uh, in the same work that, that she grew up in. And uh, we were there in 1999. I started out as a youth pastor in a downtown church in Belo Horizonte. That's awesome. And, um, and so, you know, and just getting ready for the show, uh, you know, it's very interesting that uh, you kind of came to a point in your uh, career in ministry where you felt like, you know, everything, it's over, right? Well, yeah, we were, we were missionaries from, from 1999 till 2012, and the ministry in, in Brazil was fantastic. We worked in uh, for seven years in one church downtown, and then... Uh, 
I took another church after that and then wound up, finished my career there as a, in an advisory role to seven other churches. But throughout all that time, I had a wilderness wilderness ministry where I would take uh, young people out, in the, out into the jungle there on guided wilderness trips uh, doing survival training. And that was, uh, I also did a lot of, I filmed a lot of that and put it up on my YouTube channel. So there was the, the urban part of my ministry there was church planning, but also there was the wilderness ministry which ran concurrently with that uh, since 2000. What, and wait, some really... Go ahead. Uh, some very difficult things happened to us while we were on the field, and uh, I don't want to go into all the details on that, but um, the upshot of it was that uh, due to the, the high stress level and, and other factors that uh, my wife asked for a divorce in 2012, and that brought it all, that whole phase of my life to an end right there. Holy cow. So was um, when that all came to a to a head, um, did did was it a fairly short period of time when 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 things had to transition for you guys? I mean, were you in Brazil when this was happening, or were you stateside? Yeah, we were in Brazil when all this this came about. Um, we had been through a, a really rough, I mean, incredibly difficult series of about four five years, uh, our last five years in the field especially were just incredibly difficult. Um, yeah, and we went through all of our coping mechanisms to deal with that, and uh, the, the upshot is that the, the relationship didn't survive, and she asked for a divorce, and then that our ministry was over there. I remember going through the divorce, I was just agonizing that it was happening, and just praying that the Lord would somehow stop it from happening or uh, turn it around. And uh, after the divorce was finalized, and uh, some different things happened, it just showed me that this we were not going to be getting back together. And I remember praying one night and saying, Lord, I'm just going to take it that the answer is no. I have to be able to move on. And uh, once I did, it's like the, the floodgates opened to my own spiritual relationship that I was past that point. And it was shortly thereafter, I lost my job at uh, where, where I was working doing the, the foreclosure inspections. They lost the contract for Michigan and 17 other states and, and closed down operations, so I was out of a job. And uh, shortly after that, Left Field Pictures got in touch with me. They had seen my YouTube channel and asked me to apply for uh, a loan on the History Channel. Yeah, so let, let's talk about your experience in that show. Um, when you when you went on, when you went into it, um, I mean, did you sense that the Lord was in this whole? I mean, it's pretty unusual, I think, to just be called out of the blue to be on a show. <laughs> well, it, it, I was called to apply for the show. There were okay. three thousand five hundred people applied, and out of that group of three thousand five hundred, they took twenty people to boot camp in New York, and out of that, ten people were going to go on the show. So it was a narrowing down process, and I, I felt that it was kind of like a Hail Mary pass at life in the beginning. But as I started moving into the, the casting process, I realized, well, they really are serious about me. And then getting the call to go out to New York, I realized, okay, at that point, I just had to beat 10 of these people, and I'm actually going to be on the show. And it was, it was a, a very talented group of 20 people that, that were at the boot camp. And I remember when they, they we, we signed the non-disclosure agreement for the show, they, they kind of pulled back the curtain and they let you hear about all the details of the show. And it was run with integrity, and it was exactly what I wanted to do. And I remember praying. I said, Lord, if you don't want me on this show, do not let them offer me a position. Because if you do, I'm going to take it. And he knew that. And I felt like his hand was really on me during the boot camp experience. I just... 
I said, Lord, if you don't want me on the show, then, then just pull your hand back and let me fail. Just pull back and let me fail this. And it, it seemed like the exact opposite happened, that I really felt his presence there and that he was just giving me success. And uh, it worked out very well. And after boot camp, they called me back and offered me a position. So um, while you were – while you and where did you go? Where, where was the actual show? Where were you the the show was shot on the north end of Vancouver Island, British Columbia. They call it the rain coast. It gets 12 feet of rain a year. Uh, the winter temperatures hover around 35 degrees. Maybe it'll dip down below freezing. And it rains constantly. And it's also the highest concentration of cougars and black bears on the planet. Wow. And um, so tell me a little bit about where you feel like the Lord intervened for you during those 66 days. But it was a process. I, I remember I got there. They, I, I dropped off uh, on the island the morning before I, we, we left. We were going to drop off. I was reading. I got up at 4 in the morning. I was reading my Bible. And I, I was reading Isaiah chapter 40. And I forgot how Isaiah chapter 40 ended. But it ends, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Youths will grow weary and young men will stumble and fall. But those that wait upon the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And uh, that was the last thing I read from my Bible before the Lord sent me out there to that, what I named Desolation Cove. That was the last message that he gave me from, the, from his word. And I, I remember just wept when I read that. And, I, and I, I claimed that as a promise, that he was telling me that. And that was just the beginning of a process of stripping away you know, wilderness survival, it's a very daunting task to walk into an alien environment, a place you've never been before, and move in and live off the land while working by yourself. And to pattern the wildlife and understand the cycles of nature and the tide cycle and where the food is found. And uh, that first month I was there was like a 40-day like a, a fast where I was not eating a whole lot. And uh, the first time they weighed me on, the, the, on day 20. I think it was day 24, I already lost 25 pounds. Hmm. So you can imagine, I started out at 195, and I was already down to 170 at that point, and hmm. you know, just fading away quickly. Um, that was, the Lord, the Lord put me there to, to break me. And I remember thinking on day six, uh, sitting on this rock, and I remember, I said, Lord, you've taken away everything from my life now. There's just nothing left of my life. And I'm literally exiled to a rock on the north end of nowhere. That my career is gone, my marriage is gone, my kids are gone, my apartment is gone, my Jeep had been totaled two days before I went out there to Vancouver Island. My daughter moved into my apartment. I had to spend the last of my money for gear to outfit myself for this show. And I had nothing in the bank. And uh, literally, I'm sitting on a rock in the north, uh, north end of Vancouver Island with a backpack, a few items of gear, and no food. Wow. And just obviously the Lord was doing something. He was taking away everything. And in that first month, he took away the last of my, my physical strength as well. Hmm. That I was, I was so thin, you could, you know, I could circle my thighs with my, with my fingers, you know. It was just a, a harrowing experience to be brought to the end of myself. Wow. So how, how did things turn around? You talk about within the first month, that's kind of where you, you got to. Yeah, I, the, 
I, I look back on it now and I can I see what the Lord was doing because when you are in isolation that long, your mind goes into a, a detox mode where you all the stuff from your past that you haven't dealt with will come to the surface. That's why solitary confinement is such a such a uh, horrible punishment for people because you're it really is just you and your thoughts. And it was me and the Lord and my thoughts, and it took about a month of nearly fasting to get to the point where I was broken down uh, spiritually uh, enough to deal with issues I hadn't dealt with. Mm, yeah. And it all came it all came to a head. Uh, one day I had a gill net that was set up uh, out there on the beach, and I got up in the morning, and it was all tangled up in this giant ball, and I was very frustrated. And I took that thing, and in the middle of that ball of net was this big crab, this northern kelp crab, and I started untangling the net, and it became a metaphor for my life. It was like, here I am trying to do the right thing, you know, with the, the passive fishing, and, and having, you know, I'd lost seven hooks in the first two weeks, and I, I was, I, I, here I'm doing the right thing, and wave after wave of destruction just keeps tearing me apart. And I'm looking at this net, it was like a metaphor for my life, and as I was untangling that net, I was reflecting on the, my mistakes as a, as a man and as a husband and as a missionary and a pastor and admitting one by one the Lord was bringing these things up to me and I was confessing them to him. And I kind of got to the end of that bucket. You know, there was nothing left of my own personal failings. It took, it took a month of that solitude to separate out what was actually my failings and what had been accusations and not all of them accurate. Right. You know what I'm saying? Now you go through a, a divorce, you're going to hear about every failing you've ever had at yeah. some point. And it, for me, it, it took it, it took that, that amount of solitude to bring me to the point where I could clearly see my contribution and my failings and to be able to confess those things accurately and convincingly to God and, and really understand what it is that I'm saying, that I, I own those things at that point. But when I got to the end of that, right on the heels of that, there was this these other faces and other events came up where our family had been attacked in vicious ways and, and horrible things had been done to us that we didn't deserve, that we didn't, that weren't because of our own failings. There was nothing to confess. It was just a matter of understanding, yeah, we had been attacked mm-hmm. horribly and, and just the, the family had been abused in horrible ways. And I thought I had forgiven those people. And one by one, those faces were coming up and I was feeling all the rage and anger that, you know, there on that rainy beach, untangling that net, I was just going through all that again. And I had to forgive those people as well, because the Lord had just forgiven me. Hmm. You know, I, I I had just asked him to forgive me for hurting my wife and other people. And, um, you know, I never cheated on my wife. That wasn't part of the, the mix here. But I certainly, in my family, had wounded other people. And I asked for forgiveness. And God didn't go to them and seek their permission to forgive me. And now that these other faces of people who had attacked us were coming up, I had to forgive them because who am I? You know, Christ bought those, their sins as well, hmm. and he owns them, and I had to forgive them. And after all that was done, I was light as a feather. It, it was just a, a, a total spiritual cleansing, a detoxification of all that. Uh, everything I had to deal with was dealt with. Mm. And it felt really, really good. And that was my turning point you know, on the, in, the, in the story, even with the survival, because after that I started getting more and more food and got better at living out there. It was like the Lord said, okay, you've done the hard stuff. Now we're going to, now it's up to end time. We're going to play out here for a while. Wow. What have, you, what have you come to discover about God's character in the midst of, because you've been through a lot. 
And the Lord's love yeah. is absolutely inflexible. He, his love is, is inflexible. And we're not used to thinking about love in those terms. Where he loves us, he's going to give us our, the best because we've asked for the best from him. At least I had. I wanted his best. And his best is himself. And he is not going to, his love is inflexible in giving you more of him. But to give, to give us understanding of him for every revelation of God is a corresponding revelation of self. Where you're, the more you see of him, the more you're going to see of yourself. And the more you're going to see that you don't measure up. Mm. And there's there's just no way to to get around that that you can't understand the greatness and the holiness of God without understanding your own smallness and your own sinfulness. So and, and that go ahead. No, go ahead. Please finish your thought. Well, I'm, I'm just that, that God his, his love is inflexible towards us that he does not he doesn't tone it down. And he, he, is, he has never left me or forsaken me. He has never left me alone. Even in my darkest uh, times, he was there in ways which we, we barely perceive when life is going good. And when things aren't going the way we think they should, we believe that he's somehow abandoned us or is angry with us, and that's not, just not the case. Hmm. You know, I, I, I've said before, I, I felt like I, I had been T-boned in the intersection of life. I'm laying there in the smoking wreckage, and there's the face of Jesus looking in. I said, Lord, I just got hit by a truck. He was like, yeah, I know, I was driving it. You know, he had allowed all these things to happen in my life for a reason, that I had been looking to these things for life and purpose and meaning, and, and I was standing upon them rather than standing next to them, that they had become my identity, and he's to be my identity. My identity is to be found in Christ, not in the fact that I'm a pastor, father, teacher, missionary, wilderness survival instructor. All those things are, by, are things that are, set, are next to me. But if I'm standing on them as, as my identity, he will come along and kick them out from under you because he wants you to stand on your identity in him. Hmm. So uh, you, made, you made a quick comment that you said that you felt like, you know, from that turning point, you know, there almost, it almost became fun uh, for you and the Lord out there in the wilderness. Uh, what did you mean by that? Well, it wasn't... It was like it's like the all that pent up emotion, all that negative negative emotion was was gone. I was able to. I wasn't I wasn't building towards that catharsis. I'd had it. It was done, and I was still out there. And it became a matter of just uh, of just depending upon the Lord every day for what I needed to be there. And I got better and better at finding food. I, I found different sources of food. I started catching. Uh, northern kelp crabs in, in volume and catching fish on a regular basis and eating uh, eating regular meals. And it got to the point where you know, I, I would pray every day, Lord, show me the things you need me to see in this cove and draw the right conclusions from them. And he was teaching me how to live there. And it was a great experience that you, there's a, a Homo sapiens 1.0 programming that's running in the background and you don't get to live that way. It, but I was able to live by instincts and and your the, the heightened uh, your senses are heightened. It's just a it's an incredible experience to spend that much time alone living off the land. And at the end, I was just doing really well. I remember being humbled by how much food the Lord was giving me. I, mean, I wasn't eating massive amounts of food. I never had enough food to store it, but I was eating regular meals. And uh, 
my strength was gone by about day 45. I was, I was done. It was no longer fun to be out there doing it. It was more like hard work, a job, you know. But at the same time, when my strength was gone, I, w- I was praying the Lord would give me the strength to do things day by day. And just learning to live that moment by moment, abiding in Him and drawing strength from Him and move through my day, even when I didn't feel like it. And it was just an incredible experience to, to be able to draw strength from God and know that's where it was coming from, that it wasn't coming from me anymore, that he was giving me the strength to continue at day by day because I was asking him for it, and he was providing it. And at the end of the day, I was eating a meal and going to bed and getting up and doing it the next day. And I felt like the Lord had me in a test, uh, not, not really a test. It was more of a lesson just to show me that he will provide for me, that he, will, he can take everything away from me and, and provide for me exactly what I need. Mm, that's incredible. Yeah, not a lot of people uh, have had those kind of life lessons uh, from the Lord. It's a uh, it's a gift. Probably didn't feel like it at the time. <laughs> I know. I know. No. When you we the, the most amazing emotion is when you catch that first fish of the day. Where you're out there fishing and all of a sudden, bam! You've got this big you know big fish on the line and you haul it up on shore and you realize I'm going to eat today and how grateful you are. It's not, it's not so much that you bow your head and pray before the meal. It's just you're whooping and hollering to the Lord that you got fish. And uh, <laughs> it's just an incredible experience to, to be grateful for such a simple thing as a fish. Yeah. So there is an incredible um, YouTube video of you on your last day uh, uh, where your daughter comes to surprise you and, and they announce that you've won. Uh, which also, you know, resulted in a, a very substantial financial reward. Uh, can you just describe seeing your daughter and, and just that whole, that moment? And well, the way the show is structured, the, you, people tap out uh, along the way. You can call the production crew and ask them to pick you up at any time. And uh, nine, nine other people had to do that before day 66 came around for me. Um, Larry Roberts had tapped out on day 64, and uh, he was the last person left. And he, he left. Uh, he did a fantastic job out there, but uh, they just exhausted the food resources in his area. And he, uh, he, he left it all in the field, a very tough Minnesota man. And so I was out there alone uh, from day 64, 65, and 66, uh, not realizing it, because you don't know when other people leave. So on day 66, they were coming out to pick up my footage and give me new camera batteries and do a quick medical check. And uh, when they got off the boat, the producer was there and the survival consultant, and they had two cameramen rather than one. And I thought that was kind of odd. And uh, the, the one they, they said they wanted to do an interview with me back at my shelter because they had seen that I'd changed it and they wanted to me to explain it. And when the other cameraman got off the boat with a big red drive bag, bag full of batteries, I knew I was there for another week. I wasn't thinking they're, gonna, they're taking me home that day. So we go back and we're doing this interview with the shelter, and the producer was asking very legitimate questions about my experience and things that they had seen in the footage and, and things. And then he kind of ran out of questions, and he's kind of hemming and hawing and, and trying to make up more questions. The cameraman started asking me questions, and I'm like, guys, come on, wrap this up. You got here at high tide. I want to go out and go fishing. You know, and I wasn't saying that, but I was kind of irritated with them that they were still doing this. And as they're talking, I hear someone coming up behind me. I turn around, and my daughter's standing there. And I knew, I just knew instantly. And she comes up to me, she says, you did it. And I'm like, I did it. And I'm like, yeah, you won. And had this big emotional hug. And uh, 
right after that, I looked at the camera and I quoted that verse from Isaiah. And uh, they didn't use that footage, but I told them, that's how I did this. The Lord's been giving me strength every day to do this. And uh, it was just incredible to know that the test was over and I wasn't going home on a backboard because I thought at some point I'm going to get injured. And that would weigh on me at night. I would think about that. I'm just picturing a compound fracture or something of me leaving, you know, with some serious injury and the relief that that wasn't going to happen. And the relief that I got to go home now and to get a shower and eat food and be around people and get reconnect with my kids. The money, yeah, half a million dollars. I just want a half a million dollars. I wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah. And, uh, I was just thinking, this is over, the, the pain is over, because I was in a lot of pain at that point, in my shoulder, in my neck especially, and the starvation and wondering how long I could go. I was gaining weight at the time, but, you know, I was maybe at 165 down, uh, up from 160, but it's a very, very hard lifestyle to live soul survival hand-to-mouth like that, and to be able to just stop was amazing. Hmm. So if, if you were to... Um say any kind of um, you know words from your experience to those out there that maybe have hit a wall or feel like you know it's over you know what would you what would you tell them well the Lord has not forgotten you so don't forget him in the, in the midst of that pain just understand that, that those things these things have happened for a reason I firmly believe that that you aren't you, you might not even get an explanation as to why in this life but your life experience and the things that you're going through are divinely ordained. And these are the things which are designed by God to bring you closer to him. But that's a choice. You can let those same experiences make you bitter and make you nasty and turn away from him. Or you can turn towards him and trust him, you know, and, and just go into the clinch and, and, and hang on. Because he does love you and he is doing this for your good. And it does not seem that way. But there's no wound that he inflicts that he can't heal as well. And there's nothing that he allows to happen to you which he cannot repair. And that's the source of your strength, and that's the source of light, and that's, that's where ultimately you're going to draw life from is by drawing close to God in the midst of your difficult circumstances because there's really no other way. Hmm. Who else has the words of life? There is no one. There's no one else. Hmm. Well, why don't we end the show with um, uh, the verse that was so, so uh, important to you and I'll promise to keep it on the show. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 40 is at 29 to the end of the chapter. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Youths will grow weary and young men will stumble and fall, but those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Mm. And he took me out of there in a helicopter. I went down to the beach when it was time to go. They brought, they brought a helicopter and I flew out of that beach. <laughs> on wings of eagles and they landed us and no kidding this is this is you can't make this stuff up they landed us at a, at a pair of at, at some cabins and they said okay those two cabins are for you and aaron aaron can have one you can have the other i walk in my cabin and right there over the bed was this big picture a photograph from a local photographer of a soaring eagle <laughs> in on vancouver island and i bought it it's hanging over my, my mantelpiece right now <laughs> that is awesome <laughs> I walked in I just stared at that picture I'm like alright Lord alright I get it I get it Dave, I thought I was going home in a boat Seriously, every time they would come for a medical check they would drive out in that boat and I would think someday I'm going in that boat and I always pictured myself injured and them loading me into the boat 
So when Erin told me I won, I said to her, hey, I get to go home in the boat. And she knew I was leaving in the helicopter. So she says, yeah, you're going home. And I said it several times, hey, I get to go in the boat today. Yeah, you're going to go home, Dad. And then they land this helicopter. And I realized, oh, my goodness, I'm flying out of here on wings of eagles. <laughs> that, that, is, that sounds so much like him, our, our, our good, good father. <laughs> I love it. That's a great story. Oh, yeah, the story. sense of humor. I, I went to the, the people that own the cabins. I said, hey, I'd like to buy that picture. They said, 220 I'm like, hey, I just want a half million bucks. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been, uh, it's been really good, and I know people are really going to appreciate what you had to share. Thank you so much. If you've been encouraged and inspired by the show and you would like to know what else we've got going on, go to thekindlingfire.com. There you can join the fire starters which is a facebook messenger community i let know first anytime i do anything you can also get a book there called you can certainly do it that i've written to really encourage you to take your first steps to really start the small fire that god's starting in your life uh, in addition to that you can sign up for the seven day bible devotional become a sign and wonder and as always be awesome